0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I am Ben Standing and I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. And when you cover the Washington football team for The Athletic, that means Ron Rivera is an important part of your world. And today he is an important part of this podcast because that is the guest on this episode of the podcast. Yes, Ron Rivera, one-on-one here uh, with us. Uh, on the athletic I talked to Ron on well right now it's Thursday early evening I talked to him earlier today I've already posted some of that on the athletic uh in which uh, took some of that one-on-one and sort of helped provide you know, put some context and some things Ron said but here you're gonna get the raw uh conversation it includes things that I did not include on the uh, on the article so I look forward to to uh everybody hearing that appreciate uh Ron's time in Washington making him available for this so excited for everybody to hear that and to make sure that you don't miss whatever else might be coming down the pike on this here podcast make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or anywhere else you do your podcasting and obviously check out the athletic if you're not a subscriber I don't know, consider that. If you are a subscriber in either place, obviously, I promise you when I say I really, really, really appreciate everybody. Everybody's been really great when you're leaving comments on iTunes as well. Uh, Definitely appreciate that. In addition, it's been a busy day. The Wizards today officially said that they're not bringing back Scott Brooks. We've talked about that situation before. Um, I'm gonna, I'll share some thoughts about that after the Ron Rivera interview. So if you're interested in that, um, hang on there um i don't want to dilly dally here too much before round Rivera but i do want to just say a couple quick things first off um i'm going to you know it's the off season for us here on the on the nfl beat so i'm going to you know st- have a little alone time but the podcast will keep coming i have some uh, some other interviews i've already have that i'm going to play for you guys over the course of the next uh, week or two so don't uh, you know i may they may not be fresh per se in the, well, let me rephrase that. Uh, they, they may not uh, correspond to the news of that particular day, but there will be interesting and insightful to everybody here on a variety of topics. So I'm looking forward for you guys to hear that, So make sure you keep checking out the podcast. Um, and if you subscribe, you won't miss them because I may not be tweeting as much, but that way you won't, you won't miss them. Uh, in addition to that, um, I, I teased this earlier in the week on the on the podcast I put up on Monday that there was a new, a new story coming out regarding um, the name change, and it's something that I've been working on for a long, long time. It went up on Monday on The Athletic, and it was about the process. It wasn't about the names themselves because, obviously, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure that they know what what they plan on doing. But the per, the, the number one question all of us get, I certainly get, From fans, friends, foes, everybody alike. What is taking so long with this name? How difficult is this to just say, fine, we won't be the Washington Redskins anymore. We're now going to be something else. Beyond, you know, or even if it's the Washington football team, make it a permanent name. And that was the basis of this story. In a nutshell, um, you know, it's almost been a year since this whole, since they changed You know, they dropped the the former name and and around that time when this all started and um, I started to look into this. Okay, what what what's going on here with this with this name from the branding aspect? What is it? What what goes on here? How does this work? What do branding experts think about the next steps? And in doing that, I started to think as somebody who likes to do mock drafts, could we simulate this process? Could we do a mock exercise? of this situation. And that's what we ended up doing. And I'm going to have a podcast in greater detail about this. I was going to actually have that in this slot, but when Ron Rivera became open to to me this week, obviously that changed plans. So we'll, we'll get to that next week. But I just want to say, hopefully everybody has a, a chance to check out the article on the podcast. Yes, the, the, the branding company that we hired that helped us do multiple panels, one with, former players serving in the role of ownership and one with fans and some media members serving in the role of um, a test market group. Um, from all that information, the experts picked some names. Um, the point of the story is nobody's going to like names. Um, universally, certainly not. And the question is more to the point of um, what does it take what, what's important when you're going through this process and what does it take for people to like the name? And the reality is that it's going to come down to do you win, right? Um, everything seems n- weird when it's new, almost no matter what it is. But if you associate it with something positive, you'll probably view it in that way. And if it's associated with something negative, you'll probably view it in that way. And um, that's going to come, a lot going to come down to it. But it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of work. We started these panels, honestly, back in November. And it has taken a long time uh, to get going, but that's sort of the, to the point of the simulation that simulates how it's gone for the team. This, th- this process can take 12 to 18 months and they're heading in that direction. Uh, what I was told is, and this part of this interview included conversation with Jason Wright. So we got an update from him on where things stand from the Washington and, um, and that's in the article. Uh, but it looks like they'll look to announce a name sometime in the beginning of 2022, so after the season, um, which, you know, we, we knew they weren't going to change their name this year, but didn't maybe quite know when they were going to announce the new name, so that'll be that. But in any event, I'll have an upcoming podcast more directed uh, or dedicated to the name, and uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Um, all right, so like I said, I'll talk about the Wizards a little bit at the end of this, but for now... Here we go. My conversation with Ron Rivera, head football coach of the Washington football team, but he's a lot more than that. And that's part of this discussion as we get into quarterbacks, the defensive line, and a whole bunch more here on the Standard Groom Only podcast. All right. As promised, joining the podcast, big guest, he is Ron Rivera. Ron, uh, I I don't know if if you consider this interview to be interesting but it's important for us to have you here on the San Only podcast so I appreciate the time
1: very nice very nice I like the way you use that one
0: (laughs) hey you know you say it a lot it's in my brain I I, I use it uh, I use it often Um, as I said I I know I don't have a lot of your time so I want to just jump right into a bunch of things as we're heading officially into the off-season part here Um, we always ask you questions and presumably we're asking you as the head coach of the Washington football team, but you are more than that you have, you're the, you're the one voice of the football side of the organization you have final say over personnel matters and sometimes I don't know if we ask you enough for that side of, the, of, of, of your head as it were because these are two distinct jobs typically the head coach is thinking more short term how do I win this game, the front office side is more of well bigger picture how do we spend money and asset allocation and things along those lines. So I'm just sort of curious at this point, you've gone through two off season cycles and plus the one season. What's a specific example of a conflict that you've run into in your own head, as it were, as a coach and the head of the front office, and how did you resolve it?
1: Well, you know, you, you said it, Ben, is, is I do look short-term and long-term. I mean, I've got to have a, a micro and a macro approach to everything, but the one thing that, that I do though, is, is I, I'm not making decisions alone. In a vacuum. I'm making decisions based off of information I've gathered, whether that information comes from the coaching staff or it comes from Marty and Martin and Eric uh, and and Tim and, and and all of our personnel guys or coaches or even some of our operations folks, the people that work with us on a, uh, on a daily basis. This is not you know, just me saying, okay, this is how we're going to do things. And that's how we're going to do things. I'm listening and I'm listening to everybody. I'm listening to our pro director, our, our college director. You know, I'm listening to our offensive coordinator, our defensive coordinator, special teams coach, you know, or all of our position coaches. I'm listening to those guys. And I listen to our players as well, um, I listen to our support staff, you know, my my, my head trainer, our our, our, our strength conditioning coaches, you know, our dietitian. So this is yes, yes. I I I may have the final say, quote unquote. um, But it's again, decisions are not made in a vacuum. Decisions are made um, based off of of, off of uh, information
0: gathered. But even if it doesn't come down to the final decision, maybe that is more of a consensus of some sort. At least that's the hope. But within your own head, we all come into any situation with I think Uh this, and then somebody may give you information to change. Your opinion, or you have to just weigh all the information. Is there an example where maybe you went into a situation thinking this, but then, particularly as the head coach, your usual spot, and then because of whatever it is, more information or time to think, it led you to a different uh, conclusion?
1: Oh, it constantly happens um, because you know I have, like anybody else, my own thoughts and opinions, but you know a lot of times relying on on the information that I've gotten from people has helped us uh make a different decision or it's also what it's done It's validated what i've originally thought so it's important people understand that 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 these are these are collaborative efforts here this is not you know a a a monarchy you know i i'm not been ordained to go out and do these things so um you know, I, I do. I really do try to think these things through, and I try to gather as much information as possible, and try to make the best decision that I believe, at the end of the day, is going to help this organization uh, be successful.
0: Um, let me ask you sort of a couple other questions, sort of both in this vein of of, of wearing the, the 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 two the two hats. So, you, obviously, we just got done. Well, you just got done OTAs and minicamp. You ended that a week short. I for I speak for behalf of everybody in the media when I say thank you for that. Um, but looking forward, training camp will be starting at the end of July in Richmond as the coach, but also as a person who does have to think about the bigger picture stuff. Who is a player that you're kind of interested in watching or see or tracking when you get back to the training camp, both from the perspective of the head coach, but also with that front office mind?
1: Well, um, first and foremost, the most obvious person we're, we're, we're going to look at is going to be our quarterback position. Um, and there's two people that we're going to be watching closely and 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 both Ryan and and Taylor are are two guys that are very valuable, very important to us going forward. Um, so we'll be watching both those guys and watching their progress very, very closely. I think it's it's going to be a very competitive battle. I think both guys, you know, want to be the guy. Uh, and that's going to be important to us as as we go forward. Um, you know, there's some positions that we have to look at because there are some guys that that we really think are are on the come. And and are ready to take the next step. Um, and if so, I think that helps set us up for a long period of time. Um, and there's some other positions that, that we have to sort out. We just don't know about right now. Uh, we don't know them as well as we'd like to, but that's what training camp will be for this year. And that's the benefit of having training camp this year, as opposed to the camp we had last year. We went into this not knowing any of our guys. To be very honest, we didn't know any of our guys, uh, and this year we have had the chance to get to know the guys that we, we we had from last year, the guys that we drafted this year, and the free agents that we signed. That's one of the benefits about this season.
0: Well, you, you mentioned the quarterback. I'll be honest; I wasn't really even going to ask you about the QB one competition because in my head, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick. All, all the if you, if you if you do like tail the tape, all the variables sort of going his way other than, I guess you could say age, but in that case, it's a lot of experience on his side and you can factor in other things, resume, contract, you sign him on day one of of, a free agency, essentially, so on and so on. But you've now mentioned him against Taylor Heineke, essentially. Now you you did that last week to some degree, and you just did that now, which I was, if you had asked me two months ago, I would have maybe said Kyle Allen would have been more in that conversation. Has something changed for you over these last few weeks to make it both more of those two guys something perhaps either what you've seen with Ryan or maybe what you've seen with Taylor
1: no I, I I've always kind of felt that way going into it I I know you know Ryan has the job right now and and um it's his to have you know I'm not going to say his to lose I think that's the wrong way to look at things. it's his to have and so you know, he goes out and does the things that he's done in the past that do the things that we saw in, 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 in OTAs and in minicamp, the way that he's, he's he's built a rapport with his teammates on, on both sides of the ball. I think that's important. And so we'll see. But I'm not going to discount Taylor. Um, the things that Taylor did last year, uh, the momentum he built up as a player, um, you know, you, you've got to give him uh, – Equal opportunities and equal chance. And, and that's what I want to do. I want to create that here. I, I, I think it's important. It's important for everybody to see it. Players, coaches. Um, I think that's, that, that's how you develop your football team. Uh, and I told you guys, you know, I've said this before. You know, if I had it all to do over again last year, I would have created that competition uh, for every position. I didn't last year because I thought we had a young guy that needed to get a lot of reps, a lot of work. And I tried to create that situation. And uh, now hindsight, which being 2020, uh, yeah, I would have done it different.
0: Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to dwell on the quarterback. We'll come back if we have time. I, I want to go to a different situation with regards to the coach and GM, or not GM, you have a GM, but to coach front office mind with regards to the defensive line. Obviously on paper, a lot of talent goes without saying if, if everybody on paper will be let's be clear on that but obviously last year they did very well and if everybody plays up to expectations and abilities this could be one of the best groups obviously not just in the league this year but going forward and as a head coach that's obviously got to be incredibly exciting the potential of what you could get there but from the front office perspective there's also the bigger picture aspect how do you keep all these guys over over time and decisions that you may make now particularly with the four starters all recent first round picks when it comes to a contract extensions will impact down the line. I would say, this is just me saying this, that I don't know if it's realistic to think that any team could extend four four starters at essentially at the same unit. And I'm not even factoring in Matt Ioannidis whose contract comes up next year. So how do you factor in, again, as the person who's looking with the short-term and the long-term factor in, we wanna get the best players we can on the field at all times, but simultaneously, if we extend a player now, Will we be able to do that for other guys down the line and we don't want to lose somebody in for agency for just a compensatory pick? How do you factor in all those things as the person who's seeing the world from the macro and the micro? Well, I think you've
1: got to make sure the contracts are fair, um, first and foremost, for both sides. I mean, at the end of the day, if both people are griping about it, both people are happy about it, then you've gotten a fair contract. And that's what you hope to do. And you know, you've got to do your research, you've got to do your, 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 your studying um, and then go from there. The nice thing is, you, you know, you, you'd be able to, to, to do one each year and you'll see how it goes. If, if Again, it's, it's about getting the, the right contracts for the right positions and the right guys. You know, what we've tried to do is evaluate and say, okay, which positions are, are the most important for us? Um, you know, we, 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 we look at this and say, these guys are the types of guys that have impacts and we're going to go from there. I, I, I can't tell you what is going to happen with each one of those guys. But we're most certainly going to take a really good run at it. Uh, And you'd like to be able to keep them all. Uh, We do know that the camp has potential to grow. Uh, We've also seen the camp has the potential to go down. That's why they have to be fair contracts. They have to be contracts that, you know, as you you look at going forward, um, you can say, okay, with this contract, we can add on this, we can add on that. Um, And you've also got to be very good in the draft. I mean, last year we had a good draft. You know, I'm going to be honest about that. We did uh, a fairly good job. Most of those guys that we got had a chance to contribute at one point. But when you, you feel good about your first round pick, you feel good about your third round pick, you know, you, you feel good about the contributions you got from, 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 from the guys that were taken later on. Uh, you can say, wow, we did we, we did do a good job. Then you look at the guys you brought in free agency. Um, you can say you did a good job there. I, I mean, bringing in J.D. McKissick, bringing in Logan Thomas. I mean, these were guys that helped make impact right away for us. Um, and, and, and the guys that we brought in as far as offense alignment last year helped us. Um, you know, uh, Ronald Darby helped us. Kendall Fuller helped us. So we've got to hit on those guys um, as well because if you can get guys at a fair price at a a good price and be able to keep them around too um, that helps you in terms of trying to sign guys for the future
0: i'm big into asset allocation maybe i'm wrong obviously everybody's going to probably value different positions in different ways they'd be willing to spend more here than more more there obviously on the lines is for me i would think is a place people would want to spend money but is it fair to say taking away perhaps specifics of individuals that to to extend that many players at one spot is just a big challenge from a mm-hmm. you know from an asset allocation salary cap perspective.
1: Yeah, it's very much so, um, and, and we'll see how it goes. I mean, the one thing that we're we're fortunate right now is we don't have a high ticket, high price quarterback uh, right now that we've got to worry about for the future. Uh, now, eventually, that may come about. And we'll see what happens, and we'll see if we can figure out how to handle that. But right now, you know, we're going to take it, you know, one year at a time, and 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 just try to make sure we're putting together as many of these great players that we have, and being able to keep them around.
0: Um, to go back to, to the current team, obviously, uh, you guys have done, I would say, a pretty good job at filling out the um, starting lineup. Seems like it. Um, what? But there's maybe some questions with some depth in some spots i would just tell people realistically you can't you can't on an nfl team have great depth across the board it's just not realistic it's a salary cap world and injuries and things happen that said um there's a couple spots perhaps defensive line uh, tight end line or running back maybe some others what's what would you say is the likelihood that you guys would bring in i don't just mean a body for for training camp but an actual significant veteran of some kind, there are still veterans out there in the free agent market. What would your sense be right now about bringing in somebody to potentially compete for one of these uh, areas?
1: I think that's something that will be addressed as we go through camp. You know, we like who we have. We like the 91 guys we have going into camp. We think that these are guys that all have a chance to compete. Um, And and for the most part, most of these guys that are here will get an opportunity with the first unit. So we'll see how these guys work. Because if you never play a guy with the first unit, you don't see how he fits. So there'll be opportunities for guys to show us that they can be part of our depth. You know, It's also part of why we talk about position flex being so important. Um, Guys that have the ability to play more than one position, um, their value goes up. And that's important. And I think we all have to understand that that's what we're trying to find, the guys that can help us that will make impacts on things
0: um a a year ago at this time well obviously you didn't even have OTAs a year ago but you know when we got to training camp a year ago sure well maybe you had a different view but I'm sure if I said to most people hey Cam Curl is not just going to make this team as a seventh round pick he's going to be an impact player he's continued it appears to to be pretty good throughout um what we've seen so far in in minicamp and so on and he's going to be the one working with the ones when you get back to training camp Atlanta Collins is still recovering from his injury as a coach. How interesting is it to be able to watch what he's gonna be able to do? And what's the challenge of, you know, Landon Collins is coming back at some point. And if he is gonna be on the roster still by week one, that balance of how do we play this kid? Uh, we wanna see what this kid can do from an upside perspective, but you also have to perhaps respect the veteran over here who's, you know, to some degree, I won't say anybody is given a, a starting job, but it's to some degree earned it based on his career. What's that? What's that balance uh, for you? Again, from that from the hat of the coach, but also the, the front office.
1: Because um, the evolution of of offenses created the evolution of defenses. You know, um, you have to look at at the different positions that you could potentially have on the field. And one of the positions, one of the spots that we have is is, is basically what we call a big nickel, the Buffalo nickel, um, and that position plays kind of down in the slot, plays safety at times. Sometimes it may be in the box. That position suits both those guys. It is a hybrid position that's going to become more of a starting position, I think, as offenses continue to grow and change and evolve. You're playing more three receiver sets than you are one tight end, two running backs, or two tight ends, one back. Uh, You know, the fullback is, 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 is slowly becoming a dinosaur in this league. And because of that, it, it is calling for more of the hybrid defensive position, Buffalo nickel. Um, two big bruising tight ends is, is, is not as prevalent either. So now you have a tight end that can run, and you're trying to create this mismatch by having a tight end that can run matched up against a linebacker who can't. Uh, now you're talking about bringing in you know, uh, a safety type player. So again, you know, you may be able to do that. You may have guys that, you know, that are going to have to be able to play in the safety position playing behalf the quarter of the post or being able to come down and play the slot or even have to come in and play in the box. Um, and that, that guy, that guy's going to play 65 to 75% of your snaps in the very near near future. Really? It's, it's happening. It's the evolution of football, football, cyclical football changes, adapts to what's going on. And, and defensively typically is the one that has to change and adapt.
0: Um, yeah, no, it was interesting the other day when we saw you at the Joe Gibbs event, you mentioned specifically Landon Collins and the Buffalo nickel. Cause I don't know if we had associated him with that specific position before, which is different well, than strong I'm- safety. But, but, but also not just him, but the guy that played for it last year was Cam. Right.
1: That's how we got Cam onto the field. That's how we saw the things that we liked in Cam because we got a chance to watch him play that position and go, wow, this, kid, this kid's got something to him. And then, you know, when, when, when Landon got hurt, we were able to make that transition very easily and not worry about Cam because Cam had already been on the field. Um, for very meaningful minutes you know cam was one of those young guys i talked about that had played meaningful minutes impactful minutes uh pressure minutes that i think is gonna he's gonna benefit and we're gonna benefit as we go forward
0: i think i have to let you go but one last question if i could squeeze in the interesting and important thing that you always mention what's a topic that you think is important that maybe we on the outside have only viewed as interesting wow um that's a
1: good question lot to think about, man. Way to way to stump me right in the middle of your podcast. Way to get a couple extra minutes. That's good. That's a good one. I got to give you Ben credit on it. Um, man. I I, I uh, no. I, I, right now, I think everything you guys have touched on our, has, is has, has been featured, has been highlighted, has been important. Um, and uh, and your question about trying to keep all four defense alignment around that's that's a that's a really good one um i think everything's important right now and and as we start going through camp we'll see how how the rest of it goes
0: awesome well ron like i said i appreciate you being here uh enjoy enjoy your uh your break whatever that means for you
1: well i'll tell i will tell you what nobody's asked the question you asked so i appreciate that all right
0: awesome ron thanks so much
1: all right ben talk to you later
0: all right, uh, goes without saying, many thanks to Ron Rivera for his time. Uh, definitely appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I, I guess, the you know, I really wasn't even going to try to focus too much about on the quarterbacks because, you know, I think you guys have heard me probably say before, I don't really completely buy the idea that it won't be Ryan Fitzpatrick week one. And if you're saying you're going to have a competition, right, then I guess you're saying it could be somebody else. But it's now several times where Rivera has said this, and, you know, he was pretty clear here. He talked about um, that there's two guys that they're looking at, and I threw in Kyle Allen's name. I, I didn't, like, ask a direct question about that because I only have so much time. I didn't know how much time I would have during this conversation. And, by the way, yes, uh, I don't know what happened with my mic there. Bummer. I Trust me. But... um Yeah, I mean, he's saying Ryan Fitzpatrick and Taylor Heineke. We'll see. I would be stunned if it's not Ryan Fitzpatrick out there for, for week one. But Ron Rivera's the head coach, and at some point when you keep asking a question and he keeps giving an answer, you know, what else can you what else can you do? So uh, I thought that was interesting. At a minimum, that he narrowed it down to the two definitively. So that is something, because he, he's the guy that said last year they thought they could have won the same amount of games that they won at the end of the year with Kyle Allen as opposed to Alex Smith. So... That that Kyle Allen and granted Allen is coming off of the uh, season-ending ankle injury, he's still rehabbing, but he was out there for OTAs and minicamp. Um, and R- R- Rivera didn't say, "Well, let's we'll see where Kyle Allen's at with his recovery." Didn't say that. Um, anyway, some other interesting things there. I'm curious what you guys thought about his response to the idea of keeping all the defensive linemen. I've talked about this before. I think it's really important because it's it's. I didn't get into much of the compensation aspect with Rivera here, but. When, when you look at it, we know they didn't get enough for Kirk Cousins. Like only got a third-round compensatory pick. Um, we know they didn't get as much as they could have for Trent Williams if they had moved him earlier on. Um, and that wasn't a Rivera thing. Neither one of those things were Rivera things per se. Rivera inherited the Williams situation. Cousins happened before he was gone. But we do have the Brandon Scherf situation, and unless there's a long-term deal before July 15th, then – Scherf sure, will, as I've said before, I believe would likely be gone after the season and they would only get a third-round compensatory pick for him. And at some point, you know, you'd like to think you can maximize some of these circumstances, especially if you know what's coming down the line. And I think this is a good example of that because, again, you never know. It's not 100% guarantee. but it seems pretty hard to imagine that you're going to extend four players at the same time. Effective position, same unit at least, and then there's also Matt Ioannidis. I didn't mention Tim Settle, but you know, if you want to include him as well, that's fine. And uh, you know, do you at one at some point say, okay, we know we can't do this, so we could either play out the year, kind of like they're doing, looks like with Sheriff perhaps, and let this player enter free agency, and we're going to have to risk it that we may may lose him, if not likely lose him, or do you look to move in advance, trade that player? For some things, picks, comparable player, what have you. And I think that's part of the equation for the bigger picture. It's not the short-term need or issue, but it's a bigger picture need, especially with Jonathan Allen up for an extension now. We'll see what happens about that. But anyway, some interesting thoughts there. Uh, let me know what you think about about the interview. You can tell me on Twitter, at Ben Standig. Uh, send me an email, bstandigattheathletic.com, whatever it may be. Um, I look forward to hearing from everybody there. Uh, Let's go to the Wizards quickly. Obviously, um, today it became official that Scott Brooks is not coming back. His contract essentially ended after this year, so his five years were up. Uh, The Wizards had a great first year under Brooks, won 49 games, made it to the, um, uh, you know, more than one game of reaching Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, Everything seemed to be ascending with John Wall, Bradley Beal, Otto Porter, and so on. Obviously, we know things fell apart from there. As Tommy Shepard said today, then life happens. And boy, did life happen to the Wizards, most notably John Wall's um, various injuries, which basically wrecked their next three seasons to various degrees. And um, Tommy Shepard said today he made the call um, on uh, on Scott Brooks, so just a couple of quick notes here. I'm gonna talk more about this on Fred Katz's Wizards After Dark podcast. So, this is just sort of the quickie version. I, I said that Tommy Shepard, sp- or I didn't say, but Tommy Shepard spoke this afternoon, um, to reporters over Zoom. He said that he made the call on this. Um, you know, take him at his word. That's interesting, though, in part because uh, Ted Leonsis is the owner of the team, and you'd have to imagine Ted Leonsis had a lot to do. I mean, ultimately, when somebody like Tommy Shepard says he made the call, he presented, I would presume, presented an argument to ownership stating what he thinks, and then ownership said fine or or not. Um, Again, I mentioned that I would imagine that Ted Leonsis wanted to keep Scott Brooks, and I don't... I don't see any reason to imagine I'm wrong. I mean, it's been what, what day did the wizard season end? I honestly am not even sure off the top of my head, but it's been two to three weeks, right? It's now June 16th and nothing has happened yet. Now, Tommy said that they only started essentially reevaluating the entire situation um, once they lost to the Sixers, but you know, that, that can't be, that doesn't seem like a realistic scenario either. You had to have had some thoughts in advance, but that said, ownership, you know, ownership is part of the part of the equation, obviously a very important part of the equation. And, you know, based on his history, both with the Wizards and the Capitals, you know, if you want to call it loyalty, so be it. But he has not been. Ted Leontes has not been somebody who makes big changes uh, quickly at all. And even though it's been five years, you could say, well, come on, man, what do you mean big change? Well, if you were confident you were going to make this move, what took so long? Right. Um, I I. I find it hard to believe per se that anybody on the basketball side of the operations needed that much time to make a decision. Uh, Tommy Shepard did say it was tough because he and Scott Brooks are are, are close friends. I don't doubt that. Um, You know, they've been together here for these five years. Scott, Tommy Shepard is part of the front office that hired Scott Brooks in the first place. And they're both, um, you know, always seem like pretty nice guys. So I get that that's not an easy circumstance. Um, In any event that happened, um, he didn't really. He was asked essentially why, and he didn't really get it. Give it. I don't think a concrete answer. Possibly I missed it. I have not. I didn't transcribe this yet, and I didn't go back and listen to it. So maybe I missed it. But I didn't catch any concrete answer as to why. Like like the defense was bad, and um, you know, um, I I asked a question about was there a um um disconnect at all between the front office and the coaching staff? I've talked about the Troy Brown situation just as one example where. A certain type of player, Scott Brooks seemed to struggle to use at various times, and obviously they ended up trading him this year, which worked out well for them. That they got Daniel Gafford, but I, I kind of you know viewed it as they had to move from, on from Troy Brown because it just wasn't working for this coach, and you better get value for him while you can. And they obviously struck incredible value, it looks like, with Gafford. Um And there are other instances along the, along the way of of, of that um, you know where, where it felt like the t- the front office put players on on the roster, and then the coaching staff didn't seem to exactly either know what to do with them or want to use them or what have you. That's going to happen, and if you know, there's if if you view it strictly as the coach, uh, you know, if you saw the movie Moneyball, right? Part of the issue with that movie is the Billy Bean GM character is putting players on the roster because he wants to try this Moneyball formula, but the manager Art Howe doesn't want to use the players he's going for the traditional approach. I'm not saying I'm not talking about money ball here at the wizards. I'm just saying that the each, the front off the GM and the coach each have their own domain. And if you keep them separate, well then this can happen. And maybe you don't want to use the term disconnect, but at the same time, you know, that's kind of, um, what, uh, what, what played out. Um, so we'll see, um, as far as what comes next, you know, is, does happen. Uh, Tommy didn't obviously give out any names. And at the moment I'm talking to you guys, there hasn't been any reports of any names. Um, I've said here before that, you know, I think, you know, if I'm Ted Leontis, I'm going to give a long look. Like, I don't want to retread. I don't, I mean, I say I don't want to retread. I mean, I guess if you tell me Mike D'Antoni is interested, sure, right? That'd be a lot of fun, especially with the guards this team has, something like that. But like in general, be innovative, be new, be creative, let your GM find, you know, use his, he's been in the league for a long time. Go find somebody you, unique or interesting. Um, you know, could that be a Sam Cassell who was an assistant coach here? Maybe. I mean, Cassell, right. Was was with Brooks early on and was credited with helping wall and Beal by wall and Beal. Um, and he's been on the, one of those guys who's like kind of always on the cusp of getting a job, but hasn't happened yet. So that could be interesting. But like, I think somebody like a, a Becky Hammond, would be really fascinating on a lot of levels. Ted Leontes has been an advocate uh, for the WNBA. I mean, she's been now an NBA assistant for several years, right? I mean, it's been a minute. Just as she's had she's, – you know, she's been on the job enough to um, suggest that, hey, she could be interesting. Now, we've even seen some other names like Dawn Staley, the head coach at the, I think the University of South Carolina uh, – you know, longtime WNBA player. She's been very, very successful in college. College is very different than the NBA. But, you know, there are women candidates out there. And I do think that um, that could be um, an interesting avenue. And I think Becky Ham is interesting. She's obviously been getting a mention for several jobs. She's been interested for some jobs. You know, if you're going to go outside the box, I think that is a a very interesting way to go. So uh, beyond that, I, I don't have, Candidates, I don't. I wouldn't think there would be somebody currently on the staff. That doesn't mean it's not possible. I'm just saying I don't. um, I don't think that. By the way, like when I talk about Becky Hammond, I've said this before. I think on this podcast, the very you know uh, the very first byline I ever had in a physical newspaper. Was writing about Becky Hammond. She's from South Dakota for her hometown paper. Uh, I have it framed in my house, so that would be a full circle situation <laughs> for me if that were to happen. And I, I got, I, I don't, I wouldn't presume to say I know Becky Hammond, but I had a chance obviously to talk to her a few times when I was covering the WNBA. So, um, you know, she always comes top of mind for me on that front, and I think she would be interesting. And like I said, whether it's some, it, whether it's her, I, I just hope that they take this time to. Avoid sort of the the retread route, and obviously, you know, you look at the the, the last three hi, three hires for this organization at that position: Scott Brooks, Randy Whitman, and the late Flip Saunders. You know, all had been coaches somewhere else. And again, that's not obviously the worst thing in the world, right? But it's just to say, maybe try something different and you know where the wizards are at even if R- russell westbrook and bradley beal max out and congrats to bradley beal for being named all nba or third team all nba yesterday you know even if that goes max out it's just hard to see how are they competing with the Nets and the sixers and the bucks and you know depending on what wizards do this offseason you know how are they contending to move up significantly beyond where they are in the standings you know i could see six seed five seed perhaps if everything goes well and nobody gets hurt rui Hachimura, denny Avdia take steps. They're going to have a first round pick, the 15th pick in the draft at this point. If all that were to happen, great. Um, But at that same point, how are you taking another leap? And I think this is where this coaching situation, I'm not saying you hire a coach and all of a sudden you jump four spots in the standings, but I'm saying be innovative, take a leap, take a leap of faith. It's been 40 plus years since anything has really been positive for this organization. Um, You know, when you talk about the name change situation for the football team, you know, the Wizards comes up opposite. It was mentioned in the story. And part of the reason I think people don't like the name, look, we can discuss whether it's just a good name in general. It has nothing to do with the D.C. area, if that's a thing, which it is. Uh But at the same time, it's not been associated with anything positive by and large. And that's part of the equation, right? So... We'll see what they do, but you know this is an opportunity to, change, to, to to do something different. And frankly, by moving on from Scott Brooks, it feels like they've done something different at a minimum. So um, so there you go. We'll go from there on that. Um, that's going to be it for me for this episode of the podcast. Like I said, more episodes to come. I don't want to tease and say who, who I have coming up because I'm not sure what order I'm going to run any future podcasts in, but there will be more podcasts. I promise you that. So make sure you subscribe. Uh, wherever you do your podcasting and uh, you know go check out my article on Ron Rivera as well because like I said it's not just what he said but some some additional context as well but that's it for now Ben Sanding signing off until next time see ya